Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we stumble through the MCU by watching one Marvel Studios film each week until we reach the mega epic blockbuster that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Billy and I will be your host this week as we look at the Incredible Hulk. As always, joining me is my co-host, Christoph. Hey Billy, how you going? Yeah, alright. I love how we're both a little bit reserved because we... Had we both to... probably agreeing on how shit this film is. Yeah, I had to waste two hours of my life rewatching The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it was a slog. I actually had to take a break to go pick up my partner. <laughs> I actually watched it uh, over two nights. I like, can only do an hour at a time. Uh, like, my partner messaged me and said, Oh, if you watch the movie, it's okay. And I'm like, no, 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 I will come and pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just... I jumped at the uh, thought of being able to stop the movie for a bit. Yes, It's yes. not... Yeah. And the... That's the other thing. Apparently, I didn't even realise this. The I didn't have a copy of it. In my... My... Um, I think the entire... I think the reason why I don't have a copy is because I've been waiting for the extended edition because... And it never came out or I never bought it or something. I can't remember. I, I think you're okay. Like, I think you've you've lived happily enough without owning a copy yeah. of Incredible It's the Hulk. one MCU movie I don't own. You know what? I, I think that's okay. It's the yeah. one MCU movie everyone forgets is an MCU movie. Yes. Well, shall we roll the trailer and get to it? Yes, let's do that. I've got a problem. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. See you shrink. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Bruce, trust me when I tell you I've heard them all. Not this one. We've never seen anything even close to your levels of exposure. That you survived an event like that, it's beyond my comprehension. I don't want to control it. I want to get rid of it. As far as I'm concerned, that man's whole body is property of the U.S. Army. They want it as a weapon. If we let it go, we will never get it back. What was that? So, The Incredible Hulk came out in 2008, in June. Um, I believe it was released in Australia as well first before being released the week later. Uh, five days, five days later in the state. Five days later in the state, and it was distributed by Universal Pictures because um, still we weren't part of the Disney sort of cohesion at that time. Disney Marvel cohesion. Interesting. So it was it kind of like what they've done with the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, where it's sort of like a partnership because they're yeah. Controlling from the what I from what I can gather, apparently, well, because the um, uh, as we, as we've discussed on the Iron Man, um, various movie franchises were trying to do all the Marvel films at the time. And I think there was a deal with Universal; they had to release it by two thousand and six. If they didn't, it would lapse back to Marvel. Okay. But they can still do, can still get some money back on it by handling the distribution of it or something like that. I can't remember the deal. Um, but yeah, it's directed by uh, Louis Latier. Never heard of him. He, well, he is the director of the first two Transporter films Unleashed, oh, wow. The Incredible Hulk, Clash of the Titans, and Now You See Me. Oh, yeah, so a whole bunch of, like, yes. not great films. Yeah. Um, the screenplay was uh, written by Zach Penn, um, who has done a lot of something... Like, a few things that I like. He's done X-Men. He's done X2. He okay. Wrote, he wrote some of the script for X-Men Last Stand, which is shit. What do you mean by, like, some of the script? Like, he just, like, wrote... Wolverine stabs a guy. All right, it's all yours now. Or it might have been the... I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. I don't know. I'm not sure. I just assume the internet wrote yeah. that one. But he's also the co-creator of Alphas. I've not watched that, though. It's, on the, it's a sci-fi network. I think show. I like, from memory, I lasted either one episode or part of one episode yeah. into that show. Um, but a, his script, for, his screenplay for this has been around for, was around for a few years. Um, and they were trying to figure out who to get and whatnot. Edward Norton only signed on as Bruce Banner slash the Hulk if he got to write some of it um he he only rewrote i think 
like the intro and some dialogue as such. So the the film, there was an actual backlash between Zach Penn and Edward Norton because like Zach Penn wasn't around anymore. I mean, he did the script, gave it to Marvel type thing. But the Writers Guild said no. Uh, Edward Norton hasn't changed enough for it to be... It's still attributed to Zach Penn. And what was Norton cra- uh, angry that he well, didn't he get the credit? Well, he kept saying, like, uh, apparently at Comic-Con he said that he actually wrote the script or something near the initial thing before shooting, and it's like... Interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned off-mic that Norton has a reputation for for being quite controlling when it comes to film. Yeah, he's very controlling, um, very method. By method, was he just in green paint for the entirety of the shoot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's very angry all the time as well. (laughs) Uh, But no, yeah, he's very... A a lot of things. He's very controlling. He likes to, you know... He likes to do almost the job of the director, even though there is a director. It's just... He's known for being very... And if he doesn't get his way, he gets cranky type thing. So a child? Yes, a child. A (laughs) man-child. But I think that comes also from where he... I think he went to Yale or something as well. So he's sort of got that Ivy League chip on his shoulder, maybe? Yes. Yes. Interesting. Um, I guess my question with this film is, why did we need need another Hulk film? I mean, it came out five years after after the first Eric Banner Hulk film. I think it was because they wanted, with Iron Man, or before Iron Man, they wanted that Hulk. I'm just going to stop you. There's a simple answer. It's called money. Yes. That, but also... I'm being the non-grumpy uh, one. Um, I think Marvel just wanted a clean slate with Iron Man starting and then another... And yes. Hulk. Like, there was some... Like, people were actually confused. Like, is this a sequel? Is it not? Some people were saying it was a sequel. Some people were saying it's not really a sequel. I read that they called it, like, a... This a requel. A requel. Such a fucking marketing term. Because it's... A kind of a reboot, kind of a sequel. Yeah. I would say, my feeling is, it's a complete reboot that just didn't tell his origin. Or they do, in sort of two minutes at the beginning of the film, but the film wasn't an origin film. Yeah. The same way that Spider-Man Homecoming isn't a sequel to what Sony's done, they just don't fuck with the origin, because exactly. people get it. Because everyone's heard the origin enough. Everyone gets and that I, I think also, the thing was, they wanted the Hulk... Um, one of the complaints of the first film was the fact that the Hulk wasn't in the film until, like, about almost two-thirds of the way in, or... Like, he wasn't in there... He wasn't the Hulk until, like, almost... I don't know, near the end of the film. Okay, it's been... Or something. I haven't ages, watched the Hulk in yeah. a while. It's been an ages. But, yeah, they really wanted the Hulk to appear more quicker in this film. Yeah, which kind of seems weird to me that you get, a, like, a... Like, even though he's a bit of a dick, like, an A-class actor like mm. Norton, and half the time he's not on screen. Yeah. Also, there was, like... We'll talk about this in pickups. But this is about 45 minutes worth of deleted scenes. Was that... So do, it was, do we know why? Um, Did the final uh, cut, that they fuck with yeah, the final Mar- cut? I think that's one of the reasons why there was um, some arguments. Edward Norton and the director wanted it to be almost like two and two hours? No, two, almost two and a half hours. Okay, because it's 112 minutes. Yeah, so Marvel cut it because they wanted to... Keep it to a certain extent. Most MCU movies are about two hours. Yeah. So, yeah. So, a lot of people, and I agree with this as well, we'll talk about this pickups, but, like, the film might have actually been better with the additional 45, that whole character building. Not the additional 45 minutes, maybe cutting out some of the scenes that are in the film now and And putting these deleted scenes Mm. in. I agree. I think this film, and I won't, again, I'll save a lot of this for pickups, but I think this film was strongest when Norton's on screen and it's him trying to come to terms with the fact that he's got this monster inside of him. That was what was interesting about the film. Terrible CJ Hulk smashing shit was very boring to me. So yeah. I agree. I think, I think they could have crafted something genuinely good, but clearly what, what Marvel wanted out of a Hulk film got in the way. Yes. Um... Something else I wanted to quickly bring up was the fact that this movie came out about a month after Iron Man. Yeah, and that's the, that's another thing that sort of hurt it a little bit. The fact that it only came out a month. Like, a lot of movies, they last about a month and a half. So more people are going to watch Iron Man a month and a half later than the American Of course. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why this movie has had, I would say, zero influence on pop culture. Yeah. 
I mean, Iron Man has been so influential on like it, like we talked about last week. It changed everything. Mm. This did nothing. People don't even people don't at any point associate Norton with the Hulk. I mean, that's not a yeah. big role for him. The other thing is, is like a lot of people don't like it's meant to be some action blockbuster type thing. Mm. Not many people would associate uh, Edward Norton to like. It's something to take the family to go watch. I mean, the guy was in American History X. And, like, Fight Club. Fight Club, yeah. Which is a good film. And American History X, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it was a good film for what it was. But, yeah. It's... Yeah, he's not the family-friendly guy type thing. No, I definitely wouldn't expect to see him in, like, Daddy's Home 3 or something like that. Yes. For some reason, that is my, at this point in time, that's my go-to for a family-friendly movie. When Mel Gibson's in that shit, I wouldn't, given his current behaviour, I wouldn't associate him as family-friendly. That was a really expensive movie as well, apparently. What, Daddy's Home 2? Yeah. Hi, welcome to uh, Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we talk about Daddy's Home Um, movie franchise. Yes. (laughs) But... Hey, that leans back to last week when we discussed the fact that a lady screamed out when she saw the trailer for for Avengers Infinity War, and she called Captain America with a beard, Daddy. Very true. Yes, Very, we're, linking, we're, we're linking. Every week there'll be a reference to Daddy, yes. whoever he is. Um, wait, but now I want to know why is it so expensive? Is there like CGI or effects going on, or is Mel Gibson commanding a big budget, I or think, is it Wahlberg? I, I think it was that big budget stuff. Mm. On budget, so this. On the Great budgets. segue to get us out I know, of get a potential daddy's get home yes. rabbit hole. Um, on to budget, like the film cost 150 to make, which, as we've discussed, is small fry compared to how much the Marvel and superhero films need now to be made. And wasn't... I could be wrong, but my understanding was Iron Man with a similar budget, I think. As yeah, well. and it made that plus 100 more. So I think it was like 263 in the end or something. Yes, yeah. That's, yeah uh, which is not bad. Look, all things considered, it did okay. It didn't do Iron Man numbers, though. I think no. Iron Man did very well. I believe Iron Man made about $400 million. Mm. I could be wrong. I might quickly look that up. There we go. $585 million. So Iron Man did more than double it did at the box office for the same budget. Exactly. So I think that speaks to uh, the, dif- the difference in quality of films. And on to what you mentioned earlier about how... Um, it was battling Iron Man. The other thing is, um, it wasn't really advertised as much. Like, usually when um, someone's attached to a film, they, they have the, to contract to do the whole... The, the press jargon. Press be, jargon, yeah. yeah. Un- so, it's an unpopular part of the job, is my yeah, understanding. Yeah, so Liv Tyler did that. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. Is it Tim North? The, the guy, guy who played General Ross? No, the guy who played um, uh, Abomination. Yeah, I think it was Tim. I'm pretty sure it was Tim. Yeah, Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Yeah, um, man, like oh, we just watched the other day. For a piece of crap, it had a pretty good cast. Yeah. Um, so Liv Tyler and Tim Roth did all that, but Edward Norton didn't really do much, and that's because him and Marvel had an argument. So when it came to the whole, what we discussed about it being chopped, um, the director and. Edward Norton didn't like the fact that a lot was cut out, and a lot of it was the stuff that Edward Norton had written, the character-building stuff. Yes. Um, and they had an argument or anything, and then apparently reporters got wind of that and leaked it, and then it blew up to a bigger thing than it was, and then Edward sort of was like, he didn't want to do the press junket, so like people weren't asking him those questions. Like, why did you argue, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So he did, like, so when it was being advertised and everything, he was, like, overseas on a trip or something, or some sort of... Yeah, he was nowhere to be found. To the point where people people labelled him the Incredible Sulk. Oh, God. Yes. Wow, media, media... Someone got paid a lot of money to come up with that. Um, I would have. Again, I can't remember if we touched on this last week, but it's going to be a recurring theme, is the fact that at a certain point, these superhero films, when a director and creative team come in, really all you're doing is putting a different source on the Big Mac. Yes. I mean, because Marvel... Marvel doesn't want a character-driven film, which I think that no, I think they do. They want, but they want a blockbuster, right? Like, yeah, that's but what I they mean, want. The Cap films are character-driven. I don't. We're gonna disagree. I... Well. We're gonna disagree on this. But here's the thing: I, th- I, think, I think they were worried because of the Hulk, because there was a previous one, and that got blasted. 
Look, I think what makes what complicates this is the fact that the Hulk is two characters: yeah. Bruce Banner and the Hulk. So, in order, and the the more interesting out of those two characters is, in my opinion, Bruce Banner because he's this sort of unassuming scientist living with this monster inside him. Yeah, he's essentially got a split personality, and one of them is the Hulk. He's a giant green dude who destroys things. Yes. So I can see why Norton would want to push push the Banner stuff because I would like to know I like whenever the movie touched on Banner's experience of mm. how he copes and how he mentally handles having this monster inside him that to me was interesting and at times even a little bit compelling yeah um, and every time the Hulk was on screen it was boring but from Disney's perspective they can cut a fucking good trailer of the Hulk jumping at shit yeah and they kind of can get the blockbuster crowd with the Hulk jumping at shit not with Bruce Banner contemplating what he's going to do next. Mm. So I, so it's interesting that that clash sort of led to critical mass and meant that Norton didn't do the press junket. Um, and look, both of us have kind of addressed what we thought of the film. Um, it yeah. still is my bottom worst film in the MCU. Welcome to my side of the fence, motherfucker. This is a pile of crap. It's, it's, it was hard to watch. Yes. It was a slog. Yes, it was a very big slog. But it was weird, like I posted the other day that I'm watching it and it's a slog and someone actually said, whoa, you usually like everything. Um, I, I like this film. It's like, okay. That's it's a, you know what? I would say, I would ask if they've seen it recently. When I saw it first in about 2010, 2011, mm. I didn't mind it. I thought it was decent. But now, like almost yeah. 10 years on, it, it doesn't hold up. I mentioned it, yeah, it feels a bit like the Sony Spider-Man films, like the Tobey Maguire ones, like which was made back in 2002. And at the time, people loved them. Yeah, but now, like the film quality is different to the film quality now. For sure. Also, the other thing is, this was made at the same time as Iron Man, and this feels more dated than Iron Man does. Yeah, and I look, I'll, I'll address it in pickups, but I think it has to do with the Hulk yeah. and the, the way that he's CGI rendered. Yeah. Well, with that... With that in mind, do we, do we want to jump into pickups? Let's jump into pickups. Alright, so yes, as we discussed, pickup is where we like to, you know, pick a little bit a part of the film and talk about it, what what stood out for us. Um, Particularly things that might have not, we might have not sort of picked up on in previous watches that stood out to us this time. Yes. Um, so one thing I did... So the... Um, the beginning of the film, there was an alternate... Uh, beginning of the film, which had Bruce Banner try to shoot himself. Which is how you want to start a family-friendly blockbuster. Exactly. Su- Attempting um, suicide. That was one of the reasons why they cut it. Um, Marvel cut it. But yeah, so he wanted to... I mean, and a lot of the times, um, deleted scenes are non-canon. Like, that's why they've been deleted. But for a lot of the deleted scenes for Hulk, it, they've actually been recognised because... This particular one, he tried to shoot himself, but essentially the Hulk, he changed the Hulk straight away. Hulk didn't want him to die. Um, and that was mentioned in Avengers. Um, like, there's a line where, like, they talk about, oh, why don't you, you know, do something better? And he goes, I've tried, you know, I tried to shoot myself, and the other one spat the bullet out. And that's actually in the comics as well. That's happened before as well. Look, and that is actually addressed in the film when, right near the end, when Banner jumps from the plane to fight uh, to fight the Abomination, mm. it Banner hits the ground, but the Hulk comes out, and you get the same idea that Banner might be in, might get hurt and might be in danger for a little bit, but as soon as it's life threatening, the Hulk will emerge. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. So Edward Norton actually wrote that scene, the whole shooting himself, um, and Zach Penn said. Um, the whole that the whole um, shooting yourself exactly. sort of undermines that scene where he jumps out of the mm. helicopter because he already knows. I yeah. I think the yeah the idea of that scene is he's taking a leap. He doesn't know if he's going to become the whole exactly. Like what's the point in you? Yeah. So, oh, and just a reminder, guys. Zach Penn is the original screenwriter. Yes. Um. So what's another? All right. You... I'm I, something I picked up on is that this was a decent movie whenever the Hulk wasn't in it. Yes. And I think that's because Edward Norton is, like him or loathe him, he's a compelling actor. Yeah. And his performances were good. Yeah. And his betrayal of Banner and the way I think the script sort of tried to look at the 
how Banner copes with this monster inside him and the mechanics he has in place, such as having that heart monitor watch. Mm-hmm. And especially in the first sort of... that for, uh, When he's running away from um, Ross's military squad in sort of the first... I'm pretty sure it's still in the first act of the film. He's constantly looking at his heart monitor. To so make sure he doesn't hulk out. Mm, so oh. I... In addition to the high stress of running away from um, from the special forces, he's also constantly like, stopping, breathing, and we're shown his monitor, so mm. we know where he's at. So I think all that, like the fugitive stuff, yeah. when it's him running from the law and going under, uh, un, uh, trying to stay under the radar, that was interesting. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, and um, I've mentioned this again. Um, I feel like the f- I mentioned this earlier. The film would do would have done better with some of those deleted things added because, like. As you mentioned, the whole, like, wrestling with this anger and stuff. So you didn't even know this, but watching the film, like, uh, Betty's boyfriend in the film, the person she lives with is um, a character called Doc Samson. Yes. And just for people at home, again, we discussed off off mic, I didn't know it. Billy's just not being presumptuous and shit-talking me. Yes. Well, not at this point in time. I do it all the time. That's That's true. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so, like... Bruce stays at their house. Um, like, there's conversations of them having dinner. There's an actual almost a mini psych session. Like, Bruce is in the lounge room and Doc Samson is as well and they talk to each other about ang- anger and, like, the monster and what type of thing. It's almost like he's having a mini psych session. So, like, that character building there would have been so much better if it had been left in. And the whole reasoning why... Doc Sampson sort of dobbed them in as to why they were there. Well, why I, they were hiding Bruce. I noticed that, like, when Doc Sampson, like, there's a scene, the note in the film where you find out that he betrayed them, it meant nothing to me because we, like, I, we hadn't seen him really in the film before. I'm not no. even sure if he's talked before that point. No, it was more like, hey, Betty, Betty, oh, Betty. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's about it. So it, it had no impact. So you're right. I think if we had that scene in of. Bruce bonding a little bit with Doc Samson, then I might have felt a bit more conflicted when he gave them up. But it and, felt purely mechanical. Yeah, and the other thing, he's a big major character in the comics as well. Like, he's a psychiatrist, I think, somehow while helping the Hulk or something, he got, he I think he got some sort of gamma radiation to him. And, like, he's almost like a super-powered psychiatrist, which is kind of cool. <laughs> That's what you want in your psychiatrist. you're acting out, superpowered holds you down. I don't know what happens in your therapy sessions, but uh, that's definitely not what happens in mine. Yes. Um, yeah, so the other thing I was going to bring up is some of the cameos. So there were two cameos in this that I noticed. One was uh, Lou Ferrigno. Yes, and that cameo was very sweet. Yes, it was very... I liked it. Um, so Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk in the TV series. So in the TV series... They actually got someone mus- muscular to play the Hulk. Which was Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, and then they got someone else to play Bruce Banner. Um, and ever since then, Lou Ferrigno has actually done all the voice work for the Hulk, for various animated TV stuff. They've just slightly tweaked it to suit different things. Did he even, in the Avengers and the the MCU films going forward that feature the Hulk... Is he um is he the voice then? Yes. Oh well. really? I just assumed. So it even in Ruffalo. this film, the Incredible Hulk, he the voice for the Incredible Hulk as well. Um, I liked the bit in the scene where he sort of like said to to uh, to Norton's banner like I've got your back. I thought yeah. that was I thought that was like a sweet almost a little Easter egg that that maybe like even though uh, Banner sees the Hulk as a monster, the Hulk is ultimately looking out for Banner's welfare, which exactly. is a which you could evidence with the fact that whenever Hulk a normal person would die, the Hulk emerges. Exactly. Um, the other the other um, cameo was uh, Paul Souls, who plays the role of Stanley, the owner of the pizza shop where Bruce Banner was crashing. Um, he does the voice of the Hulk in the animated series. Interesting. Yeah, one of the early animated series, like in the... Um, like 90s 60- or 80s? No, no, earlier than that, like the 60s, 70s type Oh, one. wow. Yeah. Yikes. Hmm. Um... Interesting. Uh, I'm going to quickly mention one of my pickups, if that's mm-hmm. right. Um, which was Liv Tyler's acting was absolutely appalling. It was all, yeah, it was all breathing. You just did just then what her whole performance was. Yeah, look, it's just I don't know. Like I've seen her do some great roles before. Like I mean, she was in Lord of the Rings. 
Yeah, but in that she was pretty much just like a, a pretty pale woman, which is essentially what an elf is. Um, it just, like, it threw me. Like, it made me think of... Like, I really enjoy um, uh, Empire Records. She was in that. I'm not sure if you've seen her. I have not. I, as too. established last week, I'm very young. Billy's old and his dying. His time has passed. It's my time, baby. Fuck you. Um, anyway, we got to earn that blue rating. Um, yeah, so she was in that. And like she, everyone in that film is great. Um, but it just feels like she's stuck in that, young. Like it's not, not, mm. not doubting her acting prowess. It just feels like... like but the, the, this Betty Ross, it feels like it's she's stuck in the... Because originally Betty Ross wasn't a scientist. Um, she was like, you know, the daughter of a general type thing. And that's it. Whereas this, she's um, a scientist, but it's, she's still sort of like stuck semi... Um, Damsel in distress? Exactly. And I don't know. No, I, I agree. Um, and I just think her performance was just crap. Now, don't get me wrong. She didn't have great lines to work with either. Oh, that bit with the cab in New York, that was like, oh my God, I, <laughs> my eyes rolled over. Where, yeah, where she... I think the most emotive she got in the whole film was when she yells at a cab. Yeah. It's just... it just it, Well, that, that scene reminded me when she was yelling and getting angry in a scene in Empire Records. Like, really? literally exactly like the, the same. same. Sort of like, but that's like a whiny teenage... Oh. Interesting. Oh, what's your next pickup, Billy? Um, I noticed that... So, in the, in the film, um, Bruce Banner is talking to the, this person called Mr. Blue. Yeah, who's sort of a reoccurring... I mean, we don't meet him till near the end of the film, but he's but sort of yeah. constantly in contact with yeah, him. Yeah, trying to help him out. He's a gamma radiation expert, and him and Bruce are working on bouncing ideas off each other, figuring out how they can cure the Hulk. Yeah. And so you find out his name is Samuel Stearns, and they meet up with him. The thing is, so like in the comics, his name is still Samuel Stearns, but um, he's also he's also a supervillain called the Leader. Really original name. Yeah, he's basically. Is he the same leader that starts at Cold Off the Simpsons? Billy now has his face in his palm. He's not. He's not enjoying this. Oh my god! <laughs> Why am I doing this? Again? It's been a long week. Um, yes. Well, today was my last day. Um, but yes. So Samuel Stern's leader. Um, he. So. For everyone at home, he looks essentially like a normal person, normal person, green all over from the gamma radiation, but he has this huge head because he's super smart. So he's like the Hulk. He's whereas the Hulk became super strong, he became super smart. So he's so as smart like, as the Hulk is strong. Yeah. So it's like that whole old school brawn versus brain type thing. And he's like, I mean, he's he's a character of his time. Like back in the day, it's like, oh, you know. We've got a strong person, like, set, like, a villain as a smart person. When they could sort of, like, when so little superhero stuff had been done, you could kind of, like, work in opposites and sort of any idea was new and original, whereas now, like, a super intelligent villain isn't particularly, isn't a fresh idea. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, I think he was, I can't remember when he was created, but, like, so, in the end, he's, he, like, gets some of Banner's blood spilled on him. And, like, you can see the process of him starting to turn. Which looks like someone's yeah. head bulging on, like, in real life, life through CGI. It's almost as bad as when that happened in Green Lantern. Oh, yes, that's what I was thinking, actually. Yeah. It looks like someone got in Photoshop and used, like, the enlarge tool. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, the thing is, like, so he has a turn in the film where, like, so Banner sends him his blood, mm. like, to help try and find a cure. And then so Samuel Stearns replicates that blood to create more of that sort of gamma-irrated blood to, you know, to use on everything else. So it's like, his turn isn't that compelling. Like, wait, so it's like, why? Because the whole movie, you've been talking to him via chat, so you don't know his intentions. Yes. And he's... But that's the problem even now. Like, when I text you, I can't tell if you're upset at me or not. Or if I have a million vials of your gamma-irradiated blood. Who exactly. knows? Exactly. Like, you know, I can't tell it unless you send me an emoji. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you like know, the made... green sick emoji. There we go. It made sense that he was very, like, so willing to do, like, human experiments without any, like... Any sort of pre-testing or calculation. Like, sure, I'll run random, random chemical through your blood person. I've yeah, only just like met. he comes across as this zany scientist. Like, 
I don't know if this cure will help you. But I'll kill you. Yeah. Let's try. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't come across like that in the comic. In sorry, not in the comic. In the in the, the chatting. Oh yes, yeah, totally. Like the, the entire time, he's like helping Banner. Like he sends in this rare flower to try mm. um, to see if that would help. You know, cure Banner. Which leads to a wonderfully terrible. Um, generic science montage where it's just oh Banner looking God. at it. I love how the the, f- the cinematic language for science is coloured liquid in test tubes. Yes. And pouring it from test tube to test tube and running it through and pipes. And then running it through a centrifuge Yeah, of course. Well. It constitutes... Is it like the cinematic universal uh, sign for science is occurring? Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just didn't... Like, I mean, I can get it. I get his, I get his turn. Like, I get it. But it didn't feel compelling or at all. Like, I was like, eh. You know what? None of... The thing about this film is none of the extended cast were portrayed in a compelling way. And I think it shows that none of them are mentioned or referenced in any way in any of the mm. other Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Now, now Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is his love interest. Betty Ross is off the face of the planet. Yeah, exactly. Not even referenced. Yeah, I mean... The abomination is referenced slightly. Really? When? But as a threat, and that's in like Agents of Shield. Whereas like Phil Coulson, no, Phil Coulson will do the whole Agents, Agents of Shield. I think I remember Phil Phil Coulson says something to the effect of, you know, if you fuck up or betray the team one more time, I'll have you, you know, on guard duty in Alaska looking after the abomination. The abomination to like cry at you. That actually sounds sounds um, sound. That season one. I think maybe season one. Yeah, yeah it sounds like something season one before I gave up on the show. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I just didn't find his turn that compelling. What, what's another pickup you found? All right, well, look, this is probably going to be my last pickup. Yeah. Um, and this is right at the end. The Hulk fights Abomination, and this is sort of the moment where the Hulk goes from uh, monster to hero, mm. basically by the virtue of. The Abomination's worse, so we need the Hulk. It's the old, like, Godzilla trope of, like, oh, no, there's something worse than Godzilla. Quick, where's Godzilla? Yeah. So, uh, so Hulk fights Abomination. Which he... was the story of the, the latest, like, Americanized Godzilla film. Was it? Oh, yeah, it was, too. There was, like, a I worse didn't mind, I didn't mind that film. There was, like, the two Mothra wannabes versus Godzilla. You know, I'll have... I think I got 45 minutes into that film before I stopped. This podcast is going to be a lot that's, of me telling that, you how I started films and That's your thing, isn't it? It's like, if it doesn't, if it, if it doesn't enthrall me in 45 minutes, that's it. A hundred percent. So, to return to the, to the scene, Hulk's got like Abomination Headlock. He's about to snap his neck. Betty says no. No! So he doesn't. And I guess what stood out to me then is even like, m- m- even the fucking Hulk knew that heroes don't snap necks. Yeah. Unlike I, Superman. Well, it's funny that Marvel, like... Because, look, Captain America was in World War Two, so it's fair to say he probably killed a guy, but Marvel has the, has the brains to be like, superheroes don't kill, so we don't show them killing, and we don't directly reference it. Yeah. And I think they realised with the Hulk as well, they're like, the Hulk's a monster, and sure, he might cause, cause collateral damage, but let's just not directly show him killing someone. And that's the other thing, like, that's the thing about the Hulk. Like, even though there's two separate personalities, they both love Betty. They both want to protect mm. Billy. Betty. Oh, no, you've just reminded me of another pickup that I've got to mention. Well, it's okay. It's all right. The, the one thing I wanted to talk about with that, that yes. fight that you mentioned. Yeah, the whole the final Hulk abomination fight. Well, the yeah, only. well, there was another one of it, like, where he, he rips a police car in two mm. and puts them on, like, boxing gloves. That was... It's almost like abomination buster armor. You know what? I liked it in this film that Hulk had sort of a cunning intelligence, and when he could u- take use an environmental advantage, yeah. he would. Funny enough, like so, Phase One of the Marvel Universe, it mm. was like a box set, but it had one of those like we've all seen them in various box sets. Instead of like a normal DVD style case or Blu-ray style case, they all usually have the thin like paper type ones. Yeah, yeah, the crappy ones. Yeah, so this one because everything fits in the box and whatnot, they're all in like one contained big box. The one for the Hulk. They have all of them have a silhouette sort of drawing on each one. Yeah. The one of the Hulk is him standing legs apart with the car, the police car boxing gloves. Interesting. Yeah. How far apart of his legs, and can you see a silhouette of his dick of Hulk dick? It's hanging to the left. Okay, this is a question I wanted to ask you, and I feel like Hulk Ragnarok, uh, sorry, Thor, Freudian sleep there, Thor Ragnarok might have solved this. Is do you think Hulk has a dick? Yeah. 
Okay, I wasn't... I just... It's probably big, green, and veiny. Because I always just assumed that it was like a Ken situation down there, just for simplicity's sake. Do you reckon he's cut or uncut? Oh, okay, it took me a while to... Well, surely, if, if Bruce Banner was to be circumcised at the point where you're about to do it, wouldn't the Hulk appear and save him? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't <laughs> um, know. Maybe, if he was getting circumcision. Can I quickly, because I feel like this connects to my other pickup. You're right if I quickly... Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry, I'm stealing the show here. Um, is, oh, what is it with films or any portrayal of, like, the Hulk talking about, like, the weird, if you have sex with Bruce Banner, he'll probably turn into the Hulk thing? That was, that was not added as well by Edward Norton. That was originally in the thing by Zach Penn. He wrote that in <laughs> oh, there. Fuck. So that stayed. <laughs> Like I, just, I get it, it's a comic relief thing, but it's so not funny. Yeah, it's like, oh, we we get it. His heart will go up and he'll turn into the Hulk. Yeah, yeah like, I just can we? My feeling is because people make these jokes about like, how would you have sex with Superman? He's so strong. He'd probably he'd probably kill you. Like, can we just not? Can yeah. we just have a world where we don't have to think about superheroes fucking? Sex is in everything. Can we just assume there, that? I, I don't want to go off track, but there is a um. Like, what is it? So, in the storyline of the Hulk, like in one of the comic book storylines, yeah. um, Betty dies, and like she got radiation poisoning, and it's kind of hinted that, like, Bruce gave her radiation poisoning. Interesting. And so, you know, from what? From radioactive semen. Radioactive semen. Also. Classy. Classy. Yeah, but in the end, you find out it's like the, the abomination actually killed her. I thought you were going to say we find out no. the abomination semen. No, no. In like uh, a Jerry no, no, Springer no, no. type no. reveal. But then the other thing is like that's happened before in a comic book storyline. Uh, Spider-Man Reign. You know about Spider-Man Reign. I've complained about Do it too. It's set in the future. And just, like... It's Spider-Man's Sp- jizz. Uh, Spider-Man's jizz has like slowly given Mary Jane cancer. The f- oh, why did... I just... Why? Like, can we just not? Can we just... Like, I don't give a shit about... Superheroes having sex. Can we just avoid that topic altogether in like comics and films? Yes. Um, All right. Let's let's. You move want on to you want it to be you want it to be like the Immaculate Conception. Yes, they have a kid. Exactly. One and it's set like fifteen years later. Exactly. Let's yeah. just not let's not see them doing it. Let's not talk about the logistics of it. Exactly. All right. Let's jump to your pickup. Um, I wanted to talk about that. Bi- like part of that fight. Um, the final Hulk abomination. Well, fight. sort of leading up to that, there was a bit where. Um, the army is attacking the Abomination as well. Because yes. that's the whole thing. They sent the Hulk to help the Hulk out. And, like, so they're shooting from this machine gun. Like a attached, mounted machine gun. Mounted machine gun. Like, one of these ones that, like, the bullet goes through a wall because it's so hot at being fired at that speed. And they're shooting at Abomination. They're missing him. And they're hitting these apartment blocks. Like... People live in there. They don't like it's. The people are dying in that apartment block from the army being shot at. Yeah, because they don't even have a line about like evacuate the area. They literally yeah. just go go into a civilian zone in like a black hawk helicopter with a mounted machine gun. Well, in this one, we've seen more people get like the abomination. He got like so many civilians get tossed aside and everything. Did you see all that? I think a little bit. But it's not like I get it, like in the like in the Avengers, like when the Chitari invaded, like you see people like get crushed or shot at. They're type trying thing. to infer that the stakes are high like basically if they don't stop the abomination, mm. a lot of civilians are going to die, therefore it's justified to allow the Hulk to go nuts in New York. Um, my final pickup, I actually want to talk about the Abomination. Yes. So the Abomination, like in this one, is slightly different to the um, the comic books. Now in the comic book version I believe he's a scientist as well. Like, okay. he's from Russia. <laughs> like, it's back in that whole era where... Well, Blomsky, the, right? Yeah, Blomsky, where it's, like, a whole, like, um, you know, Russian villain because the Cold War and all that, all that crap. I guess it speaks to sort of, like, the space race where it's, like, the Russians and Americans are doing the same version of each other. Exactly. Which one's going to be superior? And I assume Abomination's, like, the shitty Russian Hulk. Yeah, so the Abomination is blue and he's slightly... He's blue? Almost, I think yeah. it was green with, like, scales. Um, Maybe later. Yeah, like, I mean, every character... I mean, the Hulk was grey for one period. Very true. Um, So, yeah, he had, like... He was like the Hulk's build, but, like, he had, like, scaly... Like, so I think, I don't know, he used some sort of lizard stuff or something, so he almost looks... Mm. um, He's got, like... 
He looks like a man, but he's got like scales up here. He, he almost does, looks. He doesn't have the dash. He looks like Merman from from <laughs> Masters of the Universe. Oh, he yeah, the Masters yes. of the Universe. Okay. He looks like that. So he doesn't share the Hulk's dashing good looks. No, that the he Hulk doesn't. is renowned for. No, he doesn't have the Hulk's bowl cut looks. Um, and he doesn't. He can't turn into a man as well. Like yeah. he is always the abomination, right? Yeah. Um, whereas in this one, like he's got all those spikes and everything because he's been sh- and his muscles all look wobbly and everything because he's been because he was injected in his muscles and injected into his spine into his bone I thought it was pretty cool like I get it they didn't want to explain why is he you know a lizard sort mm. of thing so they explained look he's got the same thing as the Hulk except he's got bones and shitty muscles because he was injected here and in his spine I, I didn't mind it okay I mean, he looks yeah. like an abomination. Yeah, I. You know what he reminded me of? Uh, Doomsday from um, Batman vs Superman. He yes. looks very similar. Well, yeah, just a little even, bit less elaborate. Yeah, he even looks like more like the the comic book Doomsday than anything. Yes. Um, so yeah, that was pickups. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back. And now we're back with our Stan Watch. Yeah. I was saying to you off mic that the Stan cameo is interesting in... Like, it's a shit cameo, but it's interesting in this that it kind of played a role in the story. Yeah, like, not all of them do, as we've discussed. Or he's just in the background when something happens. I feel like most of them, and as we go through, I'll have to test if this claim's actually true or not, but from memory, all of them, bar this one, are played for laughs. Yeah. I mean, the Iron Man one with the, oh, hey, it's Hugh Hefner and it's Stan yeah. Lee. That's a, I that's a gag. What the Iron Man one is in number two. Yeah, I, I can't but like me remember that one. In yeah. Captain America Winter Soldier, he's a janitor on duty when Captain America steals uh, the uniform. Yeah. and I'm But I can't remember what he's in Captain America, the uh, super That's soldier. Right. That's all right. Um, so in this one, um, basically what happened at the beginning of the movie, Hulk is working... Um, well, Bruce Banner, not... Bruce, Bruce Banner is working this bottling plant. At a soda factory. Yeah, at a soda factory. And he cuts his hand and his blood falls down and into a bottle. And he quickly stops to double-check and make sure that it didn't fall into a bottle. And, but of it, course, he th- it has, but he hasn't realised. Yeah. And so, you know, the bottle fills up with drink, mixes up, you know, and gets labelled shipped to America. Now, usually they don't, as we mentioned, they don't link. But this one, the fact that they found that someone drank this bottle of drink and hulked out leads people to... Uh, leads um, Thunderbolt Ross and the army to realise, oh, wait... It was this drink at this manufacturing plant. Let's find Bruce Banner. Yeah, look, it was a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. But retaining to the cameo, the reason that we mention this is because there's a flashback to the guy drinking the drink. And it's Stanley opening a fridge full of these drinks. Yeah. Um, so, it, and then he does a drink and fall, has a drink and falls over. Exactly. How memorable is it for you compared to some of the other cameos? Could have been someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Easily enough. Um, so we're going to be talking now, Al, what, if you'd like to read this. No, we won't just yet, because you almost forgot, and, uh, that the, uh, post-credit scene. Uh, yes. No shame on you, because the filmmakers forgot as well, and there is none in this one. Yeah, there really isn't. Um, it's literally played before the credits. Yeah, so there's, uh, do you want to describe what happens? Yeah, so what happens is, Thunderbolt Ross is drinking his sorrows in a bar, and then all of a sudden, a silhouette appears in, like, you know, the... The, the, door, the doorway, and you can't tell who it is because you know it's that whole sunlight, of course, coming in, and like the sh- the person in the silhouette is uh, in, obscured. all black and obscured, and it's Tony Stark, and they trade a few barbs to each other, and then you know um, he, Tony Stark goes, "I hear you having some issues. We're forming a team. If you're interested, now I'm not going to mention it until I think either." Four or four two or I mean two maybe I mean two or three, but there's a um what is it the the whole Tony Stark being there, um I'll leave this as a cliffhanger for the next episode, um the whole Iron Man being there is an actual purpose, not I th- I see I feel the opposite I feel like it should have been Samuel Jackson. Well, we'll have to see when we talk about oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll talk All about right. it. I yeah. guess we will. I guess we will. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a quick one. And then, you know, we're going to start a team. And then credits. And to me, this, the fact that there's no after the credit scene sort of fuels my assertion uh, that this doesn't at all feel like, this film doesn't at all feel like a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you could, and you really, if someone was like, 
had lived under a rock for the last 10 years and hadn't seen any of these films and asked me, you know, like, which ones should I see? Mm. I would say, like, all of them are important and build to the story, mm. except for this one. It's the Iron Fist of of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can really skip it. I didn't like Iron Fist. I just was... Look, let's not let's not get into my yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be arguing about how rubbish Iron Fist was. But my point is that this how great Iron Fist was. This movie was of no consequence. Uh, yes. So back to our if you like this, read this. Yeah. What did you want to recommend? Okay. Really? So um, this film was influenced by two, two, one comic and one sort of and one pile of shit. One pile of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hulk Gray, which isn't the pile of shit. Um, it's by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Now, they did a series of hero colour books. Yeah. So there was Hulk Grey, um, Spider-Man Blue... Daredevil Yellow, Daredevil which I Yellow. read and thoroughly yeah. enjoyed. It's one of my favourites. Definitely go check them out. The Hulk Grey, I don't think you can get on its own anymore. You have to get it as part of a trade with some other stuff. I'm not sure why that one you can't get on its own. The other one is the ultimate Marvel version of... The Hulk. So, I mean, in this... The, the, are you talking about the Ultimates or... Well, yeah. Like, I mean, anything with the Hulk in it from the Ultimate stuff. So, the Ultimates is the first one you should probably get. And maybe Ultimates 2 as well. Um, they're both sort of mini-series. Now, in this movie... Um, Did it change to the Hulk's uh, origin? Yeah. So, in the original comics, the Hulk was, you know... He ran out to save Rick Jones, who was at the test site from a, a gamma bomb. Um, now, and consequently, he got hit with the gamma radiation. Now, in this um, origin for the movie, it's that they were trying to replicate the super soldier serum. Um, now, in the comics for Ultimate Marvel, that's another. That's what happened as well. Banner was part of like. A group of scientists that were working for Shield that were trying to replicate the Super Soldier. And I'd like to point out that serum. this change in the origin story changes the character of Banner quite a bit because in the Gamma version he's sort of being selfless, and in this film version it's his hubris is driving him to do human tests on something that's not ready to be tested on humans. Exactly, he didn't like, like in the Ultimate Marvel version. I mean, not in this, in the movie version he's literally wanted to test it, but he didn't know it was to use. He that's the thing he didn't know in it was the movie to be weaponized. Weaponized, whereas in the ultimate Marvel he knew it was going to be weaponized. It's the whole like I got to beat these other scientists from getting the super soldiers. That's right. He's more dodge. a little bit more ego driven and yeah. a bit more of a dick in that version. Uh, I think. I just I don't know. Like I read the Ultimates, I read them initially and I liked them, but now I don't like them as much. And I think that's just Mark Miller stuff. You initially some of them it's good, some of it's not bad. I would say Mark Miller has big ideas and really good hooks and concepts that are really fun and sweet to but read the first time. The more be. you go back to it, the more holes you see. A bit like Whedon in that way, I think. Yeah, some of the Whedon stuff as well. It doesn't hold up on yeah on on going back to it. What's another comic that you want to recommend? So this is a bit of a uh, this is a Marvel one, but it's not a Hulk book. I actually really haven't read much Hulk except for Mark Wade's Indestructible Hulk, which mm. I. In, Enjoyed the first couple of issues, but not enough to feel like I should recommend it. And it's certainly tonally nothing like this, this movie. So instead, I would like to recommend, uh, funnily enough, by Mark Miller. Written by Mark Miller, illustrated by Steve McMillan, uh, Old Man Logan. Which was a huge influence on, um, on the Logan film. But the reason I bring it up is the Hulk is one of the main sort of enemies. Uh, especially at the end of the series, is a, is a big enemy in this book. And I guess for me, I, l I really liked it because it explored the Hulk going down a different path. I mean, in this film, there was a, that final sort of fight scene showed him uh, becoming a hero, but it could have easily turned into him becoming a villain. And this uh, book sort of assumes that the Hulk took, in this universe that Wolverine's in, Hulk took another direction and is now sort of a big bad villain. So, I yeah, it's a, it's a great read, and I think it's a really original interpretation of the Hulk. And... I think one of the few instances where he sort of goes down the villainous route, mm -hmm. unless I'm mistaken. Yeah. Um, the other one I wanted to mention, which was our, like our last Marvel one that we're going to mention, um, is Stay Angry. Now that I don't, I'm not sure if it's been collected, but it was um, by um, Jason Aaron. Is that correct? Yeah, it was when Jason Aaron was on the Incredible Hulk, um, and basically Banner is evil. Like, he's gone crazy, crazy and he's yes. evil. And the Hulk is the good guy this time around. And he's basically trying to keep... That's his a really interesting angle. Yeah, and he's trying to keep his adrenaline up. 
and stay as the whole. So he doesn't revert to Banner. So he doesn't revert to Banner. That's and a Banner really cool sort of take. like, like stays as Banner somehow. So like he's versing some of his worst villains and friends that he's versed. Like, I mean, he's versing... Um, like Wolverine, you mentioned. Wolverine, The Thing, I think Abomination as well. Um, and that's written by Jason Aaron and it's done by various artists. Okay, you know, it's funny that when that run was happening, I think one person told me it was actually really good, but most people weren't talking about it or mm. seeing it. It felt like a filler run. It was, I think, after Mark, Mark Wade had finished the book and sort of, it felt like a treading water run. So it's yeah. interesting that in hindsight now, it's seen as a really interesting and good run. Now you had a non-Marvel book to me. Yeah, so I had a non-Marvel book. I had, and this is a bit of a, I really struggled to think of... Uh, books to, to read for this film mainly because I think it's a steaming pile of crap but um so I'm going to throw in one of my favourite image series which is Zero from Alice Cott and a variety of artists so uh, from memory the book ran for I believe 24 issues and each issue uh, Alice Cott teamed up with a different artist and Geordie Belair was a colourist for the entire series so she sort of visually brings the book together mm-hmm. the reason I bring it up is it's it's more of a spy book, but it's sort of about this super spy, and he goes rogue, and sort of in the on the, the run, yeah, on the in the second sort of part of the book, it plays to some of this fugitive on the run sort of stuff that I enjoyed in this whole film, and I think, I, I, I think, look, if you like good comics and you like sort of a fugitive story, I think Zero has something to offer you. Um, the non-Marvel book that I want to recommend is the Astounding Wolfman. Um, and that is also from Image Comics, and it's written by Robert Kirkman and illustrated by Jason Howard. Now, essentially, like, he's a wolfman, like a werewolf. Yes. But I think it's one that can be... Um, I think he can turn as a wolfman in non-moonlight as well type thing. So the reason I'm recommending it, it's a great series. It doesn't last a whole long. I think it's... Like maybe twenty issues, so maybe two or three trades. I, can't I remember, I remember how, there was uh, a point. The trades. I remember there was a point in time where Kirkman was sort of pumping out uh, superhero suits. books from from um, from the Invincible Universe. He had that and Tech Jacket, and um, this was under Skybound, which is sort of like an arm of Image. Yes, it, that's right, and that's what Robert Kirkman's done a lot of his books through mm. through the Skybound. Um, yeah, so actually, yeah, it lasted twenty five issues. Um, pretty good. Yeah, which is pretty good for a short run. Um, yeah, and I, the reason I'm recommending it's the whole, like, you know, turning into a wolfman. The man like, sort of versus monster mechanic? Man versus monster thing, and he's also on the run as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that really plays to mm. some of the, uh, the better parts of this film. But yeah, so that's been our recommendations, um, and that's been us for this Yeah, week. well, look, we've got Iron Man 2 next week, which yes. I'm looking forward to revisiting. I thoroughly enjoyed it when I saw that in the cinema, so let's see if it stands my cynical it, eye now. Interesting, yeah, you liked it, and I, it's not my favourite. I, I didn't mind it, but it's not my favourite of, uh, of the series. Yes, we'll see how we go. Well, before we go, as always, thank you for listening, and if you could uh, follow us, uh, uh, sorry, subscribe to us and rate us on iTunes. Yes, um, you can follow us on Geek of Oz on Facebook or geekofoz.com. Yep, and we're also on Twitter at Geek Geek of Oz. Oz. Um, Yeah, well, till next time. See ya.